Welcome to the How Soccer Explains Leadership Podcast, where we explore leadership principles through the lens of the beautiful game. Welcome back to How Soccer Explains Leadership. Thanks again for being a part of this conversation. Very, very much appreciate each and every one of you out there. Grateful that I get to do what I do. I know Paul Jobson always, as I've said before, he's he's jealous that I get to do these. I know it. And uh, every so often we get to chat about the different conversations I get to have. And most of them, I, I will say, pretty much all of them actually have been great conversations. So if you haven't listened to the ones before, I encourage you to go back and do that. Go back and listen to the, go go through the episodes that we've been able to do with some pretty amazing people and uh, listen to what they have to say. We have a one that we just released a few weeks ago called The Memorable Moments of 2021. So that gives you a little uh, sampler platter, as I like to say, of of the last year. And you can check that out too. And I just encourage you to do so. I also encourage you to check out the Facebook page, the How Soccer Explains Leadership Facebook page to go deeper into the conversation that we're able to have here on the show. After the interview, I'll tell you about a couple other things that we got going on, but I want to get right to it today. I have another great person, a great human being, great leader that I get to talk with, Aaron Locks, the CEO and founder of the National Academy of Athletics. Aaron, how are you doing today? If I was any better, it'd be illegal, man. I'm wow. All right. Good. All right. All right. I don't want to get in the details of that. Or maybe I should. I don't know. We'll see. But, you know, as always, I like to just be able to have you tell your story. Just briefly share how you developed your passion for sports and, you know, basketball in particular. I know that's your, like, your 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 love. But leadership and, and how you got to be to where you are today. I appreciate the opportunity to be here and to share the story. And I love listening and watching a lot of stuff you do. So kudos for that. You know, real simple. My dad left when I was three years old. And when I was seven, I was the biggest sissy in the county. And my mom drove me to the baseball field and said, there's your baseball coach. Closed the door and drove off. And my first coach was Marty Islas. We're still friends. He's 82 years old, lives about a half hour from me. I take him to ball games each year. That's why I do what I do, right? But I was extremely blessed. I played multiple sports all the way through high school. And then I left college to go work for a guy named John Wooden. Some people will know his name, especially yeah. for real. Just a little guy, little guy in the sports world. Some, some, you know, pyramid of success. By the way, if you want to talk about leadership, talk about pyramid of success, we'll dig in later, I'm sure. Absolutely. But the gist of it is I spent my entire adult life, 36 years now, working in youth sports and sports. I worked for the Lakers and the Warriors and just had a really great run. Ran one company for 20 years called University of Sports. And I'm proud to say this month is uh, 10 years at the National Academy of Athletics. Mm, that's fantastic. And can you just dive into that a little bit? The National Academy of Athletics. What is it? What's the mission vision? Just, you know, why did you start it and, and what have you been able to accomplish? Uh, great. So National Academy of Athletics partners with youth sports organizations, municipalities, cities, rec centers, schools to run and bring recreational sports back to the kids. When my kids now are basically, my daughter's a senior playing her last year of high school. My son is, when they were coming up, they didn't get what you and I got was the opportunity to go down the street and just play with your friends, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. since they didn't get that opportunity, I thought, okay, with the National Academy of Athletics, we can help teach the sports and life skills. So we're in over 125 cities now partnering to bring through physical education back to schools, after school sports, helping to run leagues and really help the masses of kids just stay engaged with the games and, and fall in love with it, develop their passion as well as the fundamentals. 
Yeah, I love that. You know, that's something I, I actually just I just finished another interview recently, and and we were talking about it after the interview. He, he you know he asked me, do you do you ever think we'll get you know back to just playing sports and and having parents coaching and having it be where you show up. I remember Diego Bocanegra, our mutual friend, and yeah. he talked about in his interview just we we'd go to the park or we'd we'd find where the bikes are. That's where we'd go and yeah. there would be a game going on. It would be football or soccer or basketball or something and we'd just play whatever was being played. It didn't matter what it was. And do you, do you think we're going to get back there? Like I mean, is that some that's what you're working on, I know, yes. because we can learn so many lessons from it. And and how do we get there? There there is no better life skill teaching tool than youth sports in my opinion. Parents can't make it work for their kids. They can screw it up, as we know, but they can't make it work. It's up to the individual child to have a passion for it. What we've got to figure out is how to bring it back, to your point, so that the kids can just play for truly the love of the game. Because, you know, when I used to walk after school home, we started, we, we would invent games, right? Like we had this one game called Dodge the Rock which was a lot of fun until you hit me in the head with a rock. Let's not play that anymore. Nowadays they call the police, right? You know, yeah. God, throwing rocks at each other. Right? <laughs> but we, we, this is how we started games. And That's if right. you had a problem, man, we did some of this and let yes. me do some of this. Yes. You know what? That's how we learn to improvise, adapt, overcome. So to me, we have to find a way right now through the national Academy of athletics, through my passion, my work, we're putting it back in through organized sport, through recreation departments, through schools, but ultimately it's going to become a trust where I grew up in the sixties and seventies in a, in a place called Marin County in Mill Valley, where you could, I hitchhiked to school at 11 years old and Janice Joplin picked us up and we would get in the back <laughs> of her, of her ranchero dude in the back of the ranchero and get a ride to school. That's not happening ever again. Right. Yeah, yeah. But there are pieces of this that we can do. There are pieces and it's going to come with the parents trusting that it's okay for your kid to fail. Yeah. We're too focused on, oh my God, they have to, they got to be, oh my God, the world's going to end. Oh man, let them fail. That's how they learn. And you know, I've heard you talk about it, man. Failure is part of the process. That's right. That's right. With failing forward as we, as I know, John Maxwell has a great book, Failing Forward, right? And so, so who are the, who are the coaches? Who like in these programs, that's, that's something that I was, you know, I'm curious about and just hearing this, I just, I get excited about the, the idea and the concept and, and I love that it's working and I love that you're able to get out there. But, but obviously we know that one of the big reasons the costs are so high is because the coaches are the professional coaches and coaches who are year round and all that. But what's, what's that look like in the, in the programs that you're, you're working on? Well, the ones we work with, we primarily use college students, you know, that age group. Mm-hmm. And while they're going through, like through our internship program or they're in college, we will then take them and we'll train them on my trademark talk, teach, play system. Right. And they will use that. And then we will then get them background checked and fingerprinted and concussion protocol and certified and a mandated reporter and bully prevention, all these things they have to go through to be able to be allowed to coach through the national Academy of athletics. And once that's in, then we can take the next step. And so we, we reach out, man, I mean, you know, we've got 600 coaches or whatever it is. So we reach out all over, we recruit them, we train them. We, we work with them on not just, not just the sports, of what to teach, but how to teach it. Cause yeah. I think that's the key, man. You got to do it in such a way. That's why the talk teach play is such a huge piece of what we do because we found that kids are different than when you and I are kids. And so how do we 
teach in such a way that keeps them engaged and interested while developing their passion. And a key to me is we focus on the effort rather than the result. That's how, because if the kids put the right effort out there and we get out of the way, amazing things happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. And how can people get uh, get uh, in touch with you? How can they find out about more about what uh, what you're talking about? Well, nationalacademyathletics.com is probably the best, right? Nationalacademyathletics.com. But we're on all the social medias, right? You know, Twitter yeah. and, and, and Instagram and Facebook. There's a lot of those things going on. But yeah, reach out that way. You can email the off. Give us a call, 866-90-SPORTS. Whatever you want to do, man, you'll find us. If you want yeah. us, you'll find us. And we're out there. Um, I'm out there, Aaron Locks as well on Facebook and everything else. Just hook up, man. I, I By the way, just Phil, appreciate that. I promise I will connect back. Sometimes it takes me 24, 48 hours because I do get a little busy. But I promise if you mess with me personally, I promise I'll get back to you. Yeah, he got back to me. So I mean, that that shows that I, I, I no one knows who I am. So that was great. Actually, I think we met on Clubhouse, if I'm not mistaken. That's that was, right. Those were from yeah. some 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 fun conversations. We gotta get back. We gotta get that back going on. We've I talked with a few guys about that. I know that it's the soccer community there, at least as I know, died away a little bit. But we're trying to we're trying to revive it, bring it back a little bit as as uh, we're in the off season for most of the coaches. But. You know, I, I just had a flashback to when you said it's mostly college students. I actually coached junior high basketball when I was at UC Davis. And, uh, you know, it wasn't this, obviously, because it was a, a yeah. few more than 10 years ago. But I loved it. It was so much fun. It was it was just a great experience to be able to learn. I mean, I learned a ton of lessons, obviously, about it. You know, having the parents that thought their kid was this and that. And, and you know, trying to help the kids and their parents the guy's come from swim. He's doing this. And I, it's just because it was great. And then that was what we have to juggle. Right. And, yep. and, and it's okay. And it's right. And it's good. Cause I'd rather have him playing on the team than not because he wants to, you know, I had one guy who was, I think he was super tall in junior high and he was a, like a elite swimmer. So he'd show up, he'd barely show up and he'd foul out in like three minutes, but that's a whole different conversation. But all right, so let's, let's get to the next thing that I know. And I know, I know this is something that you've thought about. I mean, heck, you worked under John Wooden. We'll get to the John Wooden conversation in a few minutes, but what's your personal why, your life purpose? And what, how does that play out in, in your work with National Academy of Athletics and, and everything else? I had some major challenges in life. Very blessed. I have had an amazing life. I, I honestly believe that, but I probably have been through more obstacles than most. The last time I got a paycheck from anybody else was the Golden State Warriors in 1989. And, you know, going through family and divorce and all different kinds of situations, scenarios. So to me, I had to come up with what is my why. So I came up with my true mission statement, a personal mission statement, not just a business personal statement, mm-hmm. but my personal one, which was I, I'm putting on planet Earth to enhance the lives of people through positive experiences. And mm-hmm. my kids will be encouraged and loved unconditionally to do whatever their passion is, knowing that if they fail, that I'm there to support them and hold them accountable for their growth. And before I leave planet Earth, millions of kids will have had a positive experience through youth sports because I was here. So that's that's why that's who I am. So every day you've seen my post and my information. That's how I live. And it's not it's not a fallacy. It's not a thought. It's it's who I am. Right. And I celebrate every day doing that. So that's that's me. That's what it's about. And that's my why. And I measure every day, ask myself three questions, and I would loan this to whoever wants it. Part of my Pat Pat Riley training, when he was coaching, was, so three questions. One is, what did I do today that was productive? Because I feel if I'm productive, then, I, then, I, then I've accomplished something, I feel good. Number two, what did I do that I enjoyed? Because 
you get, it's about joy and something you love doing. And three, which I learned from Coach Wooden, is what did I do for somebody else with no expectation in return? See, if you do those three things every day. So I am a sunset hunter. So every day, no matter where I am, I find the sunset. Sometimes it's not easy. It's the side of a building, but I know where West is. And I go and I stop and I ask myself those three questions. So every day I train myself to make sure that I'm productive, that I do something I enjoy, and I do something for somebody else with no expectation return. Then I feel like I've lived on planet Earth for the right reason. So that's mm. that's my thoughts, man. I love it. I love it. You know, folks, if you didn't listen to that, I mean, what he said and what his why is, obviously, what what your why is, Aaron, is is your personal why. But I think the lesson we learn there, you've heard me, folks out there, you've, you've heard me share my why is to help, you know, to help others to flourish and to make good things better, right? And so the the important le- lesson there and life lesson is in, you got to know your why. You got to take time to develop your why to be able to understand why you like you said why you're here on planet earth we we're not here by accident we're we're not just this cosmic accident we're here with a purpose what is your purpose the fact that you're breathing and walking right now you have a purpose and so that's something i absolutely love that you clearly not only have taken the time, you know it, you're living it. I love the questions. I, I very likely will steal those as I've stolen much from this. Uh, everything from in this life show. is stolen. The good yes, stuff. exactly. Yeah. Well, I love that book, Steal Like an Artist. You know, it's actually the, the title of one of our episodes, but it's just such a great title because it's, yeah. it's true. There's nothing new under the sun, right? But, but I think our, our, our mission, I mean, our personal whys are very similar but they're different and they're personal to us. And how do we see it? The words we use, I think, are very personal as well. So that's something that I absolutely love it. And and the intentionality shines through, obviously, in what you do. And if we're not intentional, we're just going to wake up 10 years from, you just said 10 years now for National Academy of Athletics. That's right. If you didn't have purpose and live intentionally, you'd probably be waking up, be very probably wouldn't have lasted 10 years first of all but it's like be, driving through life by braille man yeah. right and bumping into something and bumping yeah. it. i guess you could do that but why right yeah. why not why not have a purpose and a sense of uh, accomplishment a sense of fulfillment every day I, right. to me man pay it forward and all that i could tell you stories i'm the same thing the more we can do for others that's what it's about right yeah especially now we need this we need absolutely this. And I love the book, uh, Leaders Eat Last, Simon Sinek, and he talked about the idea of the serotonin, right? And, and as you talked about that, what did you do for others? And the, the most poignant thing, the one thing that I remember and I talk about all the time from that book is the fact that with the serotonin, you get the serotonin rush, which is our feel-good chemical, when, you encourage, when you're encouraged, which makes sense, right? Because everyone loves to be encouraged. When you encourage someone else, and when you simply see someone else being encouraged. Yeah. And so this idea, that's when that goes to team, that's a whole different conversation. But even just when we are encouraging others, when we are doing things for others, that, that causes the other person to, to be, you know, more joyful and the people around us who see it too. So, I mean, that idea of multiplication is just huge. So no, I lo- no, absolutely no, love check that. Check this out. So at, at our camps, we are teaching social and emotional components as well, right? So one of the sessions we do is empathy. So while we're doing stations, we're at soccer camp, right? So you've got soccer, it's working on goal scoring, soccer skills working on defense. And then we got a, a, a session and they're going, well, what's this? Well, 
here's what it is. It's, it's empathy. So what we do is we have one of our instructors walk and they trip themselves. And then most of the kids, what do you feel? Well, they laugh. It's kind of funny. Yeah. But what's the next step? How many of you felt sorry for the person that fell? How many of you thought, God, I wonder if I could help them back up? See, just teaching and recognizing is the first step, right? So at our camps, our clinics, our programs, we, we teach these components because if you make it real, if you make it relevant, if you make it so they see it and it's recognizable, that's the first step, right? Once you first recognize it, now you have to train yourself intentionally, to your point, and say, okay, I recognize that. What can I do? When I see a, a lady who is unloading her kids and her cart, I wait. And when she's done with her cart, I go put the cart away for her. That's why is that's a big deal? Don't pat me on the back. But that little bit of kindness makes it easier for that mom, mm-hmm. those two kids, yeah, dealing with what she's got to deal with. What yeah. if we all did that? Yeah. And you didn't say, "Hey, can I help you put the kids in the car?" Because that might be weird. No, no, I'm not. So- going to <laughs> <laughs> but it's true though. I mean, we, we don't think about it. it now. I think about it and that makes perfect sense to me. And I know the value of that. Cause I had five, I have five kids and I remember putting the kids in the car and seeing the fact that that cart needs to go over there and I don't want to leave the kids in the car. And so it's a little thing. That's actually a pretty darn big thing, right? Before that person. And even if it wasn't a big thing to the person, it's a, it's a little touch, right? It's a little touch that we can actually touch the life of somebody else. And who knows what that might lead to for them in their day, in their, in their weeks, in their months, in their years. I mean, like it could have a exponential effect that we, we just grabbed a cart. It wasn't Absolutely. a big deal, but it's that again, intentionality of being intentional and intentionally helping and intentionally serving and intentionally loving others, you know, and, and having and that Joe, leadership. And, and Deepak talking about the law of detachment, because if she's not interested in my help, I don't take it personal. If yeah. she doesn't say thank you, I don't care. Would I love it? Sure. A smile, a wave. Absolutely. Right. But the reality is I'm detached from her response. I just know it makes me feel good. And it checks off my list, right? I help somebody do that. I open the door for some, whatever the case is, right? So that's part of, that's part of the leadership side of it. Believe it or not, it comes through sport because we do this intentionally with our teammates all the time. Yeah. So we just have to make, it takes a village. How do we make our village bigger? That's right. That's right. All right, so let's get into some leadership conversation. How, I mean, we've been talking about leadership, but let's do a little bit more specific. How do, how do you define leadership with all the different leaders that you've been able to work with? How do you, how do you define leadership? So I define leadership based on the goals, and that starts with Coach Wooden's Pyramid of Success. Success is a peace of mind of knowing you've done your very best, right? Mm-hmm. So I have to start there because in order to lead, you got to know where you're going, right? So for me, if every day... I have my goals and success is a piece of my doing very best, or I'm going to do everything I can to be better today than I was yesterday. Then I have to be a role model and I have to find whether I'm coaching, teaching, helping my kids, whatever it is, the relationships that are there, I have to role model what it is that I'm, that I'm leading. And so that's a big part of it to me in terms of leadership. Other than that, I have, like my company's got an inverted pyramid. People think I'm nuts, but I'm the CEO and founder. I'm the guy, but I'm at the bottom. 
My job is to lift up my my community partners, my strategic partners, my business partners. We lift up our area captains and our leaders. They lift up the directors and they lift up the coaches and they lift up the community that lifts up the kids because we're lifting everybody up. We also know that poop rolls downhill. So as a leader, when they make a mistake and things come downhill, I have to be proactive, right? I have to start with the end of mine. I have to do the Stephen Coveys, all those things to make sure that, oh my God, this guy is fun. That's not how it works. Okay. Creatively problem solve, role model, work together to make it better. And that's really what it is. Yeah. No, I love it. Absolutely. That's great. That's great. So, okay. You have this program uh, that's called Secrets of Successful Youth Sports Coaches. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, that's something that I know there's some sports, youth sports coaches out here. I'm sure it doesn't just not exclusive to youth sports coaches, too. I'm sure it can apply to other areas of life and other coaches. But can you share a, share a couple of those secrets and just how can coaches help players to develop their leadership skills? Yeah, man. So when I was developing that, and you talk about stealing stuff, I thought back, <laughs> okay, what would what would Dusty Baker say? What would, you know, Bernie Bickerstaff say? What would these guys, Joe Montana, these guys that I've had the blessing to be, to spend time with, what would they say, right? So the biggest secret that I found to this, number one, is you have to be present with these kids and understand to know their why. Because I don't care what your why is, but it comes down to it. If your why doesn't match up with the kid's why, it's going to be a frustrating experience, <laughs> no matter who you lead, right? Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean that if their why is all of this, that you have to acquiesce to that, but you've got to find a way to match it up. One of my fun day jobs for four seasons, I was the umpire in the San Francisco Giants television commercials. <laughs> guess I have a face for a mask, right? So it was cool. And for radio. And for radio. So there you go. Cool. Absolutely. That's why Clubhouse is so cool, man. That's exactly right. <laughs> so I was there during the run 10, 11, 12, and 13 with Buster Posey and Joe Panic and Brandon Crawford and these guys, right? And I got to talk with these guys and hang out with them all day while we were shooting the commercials for three or four days. And I was asking Mike, what does it take for a, a Brandon Belt, man? What does it take for a kid to get a chance to, to play high school varsity, to play college or even get paid to play? Pat, it's, it's, it's gotta be, dri- they've gotta be their determination. And so Crawford was talking about fundamentals and all these different things. Now Posey, his nickname for me, cause I was the umpire was knucklehead. Hey, knucklehead, it's passion. So I, man, I dug in and we talked about it a little bit. It's passion, man. If, if it's a kid's passion, if it's people you're leading, passion is what it is. Because you know as well as I do, to be a good soccer player, you can't go to practice one hour, two days a week, and all of a sudden you're a stud. Mm-hmm. you got to be willing to do it on your own. Joe Panic takes 250 ground balls seven days a week, mm-hmm. 365 days a year. Well, how, what? How much passion do you have to have to do that? Wait a second. So he's in, the, in a tennis ball at the end of a hallway taking ground balls. Why? Because that's important to him. That's his passion to do that. So for me, I would find as a leader, find their passion as part of this. Number one, find that, develop that, bring that out. Okay. Number two is that I would, it's a secret, but most know it is criticize or correct privately as possible Mm -hmm. and correct publicly as possible. Too often we want to scream to get our point across But what happens is great coaches or leaders, Coach Wooden quote, create positive change without causing resentment. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't care what you do. If you're doing something, someone's yelling at you and you're not doing it right, 
you know, go to hell. I don't want to do that. I'm not <laughs> developing my passion. But if you come up and say, hey, 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 you know what, Phil? Next time when that guy's cutting off to the sideline, if you take a better angle, you're going to be there first. You're going to actually get the ball and be in a good position rather yeah. than coming from behind it. Man, that's a difference. So those those are some tips maybe that'll help out a little bit. That's super good. As I'm developing our Coaching the Bigger Game program, I, I'm like, we have a few of those in there. I'm going to add a little of those nuggets in there, uh, just some of those quotes and some of those things, because we talk about that. You coach the, you got to have self leadership to know your own why. You got to know your own, we very self aware. But if you're not aware of the individuals that make up the team, and I think too often we skip to the team yep. and we skip the individual. And we don't know the individuals that make up our team. And so we don't understand why they're not gelling and they're no cohesive and we're having toxicity and we're having different players that are, some don't care. Some, as I said, if, if you have a, a bunch of players on a team and some are just out there to, to have fun and hang out with their friends and other ones want to win league, you're going to have disconnect and you're going to have people that are really mad at each other. And because they just don't get why they're not given their all. And you know, that just, I love the wooden quote. I mean, the success is the peace of mind that I've done my very best. That's what I tell all the players all the time. All we can ask from you is your best. And what we're asking you for is your best. Well, here's, Every day. Here's a big important piece. There's no thing as 110%, man. Right, right. It doesn't work. You can yeah. add it up. It just doesn't work. There's one word which I would love for you to take a look at because this is the last piece, which is attitude, right? There's one word that we found, I learned from Pat Riley, that if you total up the numbers, value, and you take the word attitude, it's 100. So A equals one, T equals, if you took it alphabetically, right, and you did mm. the numbers and you added it up, the word is attitude, oh, it equals 100, which to me means your success and failure in life is based on one word, mm. attitude. Yep. That's the idea that you can't, you can't control your circumstances, but you can control your response to the circumstances, right? Well, that's right. So important to remember. All right, dude. Now I, I, this is something I, I, you've, you've talked a lot about John Wooden already. I, I can tell, I mean, even if I didn't know you work for him, I'm like, okay, this guy's really impacted his life. Of course he's impacted your life. You got to work. I mean, what an amazing thing. I just got to hang out with him for like five minutes and that was pretty, pretty amazing. So you got to do a lot more than that. And Corey Close, who was on earlier, she was able to be mentored by, by him as well. But, but what are, what are a couple, I asked Corey the same question and I loved her answer. I just, what are two or three of the top lessons that he taught you about life and leadership? Wow. You know, there's so many, right? So I that's think, what she said too. That's what she said. I have no doubt that's actually true. Of course it is. That's yeah. amazing. But that's why I get to ask the questions. Yeah, I, I would say this, I would say if you look at his pyramid of success, the, the, this is it's a cornerstone. My, my my player and have fun comes from this, and it's been my entire adult life and everything I brought forward. And so it's this. It is and the cornerstones of the pyramid of success. I'm visualizing it is industriousness and enthusiasm. On the left is industriousness. Now industrious means work hard. Okay, enthusiasm means enjoy what you do. Now here's the deal: if you work hard but you don't love what you do, you're going to die out, man. It's mm -hmm. not going to, you're not going to want to do this. Right. Mm -hmm. However, if you love what you do, but you're not doing anything, it's unrealized potential. 
hey, we're, whatever. If we're having fun. We're having fun. Yeah, but you're not doing anything, right? Mm-hmm. Only when you play hard, have fun, industrious enthusiasm, do you have the true opportunity to reach your true potential. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's the biggest one was really studying and living and understanding that. That That's why for me, it, it sounds crazy, but I don't do anything that I don't enjoy. Now, that doesn't mean I enjoy everything, right? I come to work like this, right now, time of year. I'm mm-hmm. dealing with end of the year. I'm dealing with the ta- all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But I look at it and go, you know, it's part of the process because look what I get to do. Right. Right. The other thing that I remember from coach, which was funny, is that he said, I, I would say things like, I remember we were, we were, I was demonstrating in front of a crowd and I'm holding the ball and it's away from my chest. And I've got a picture of it, in fact. And uh, he signed to me, he says, Aaron, if you don't hold the ball close to your chest, the next time I'll take it away from you. Mm-hmm. Right. The one that's the closest he'd ever get with tongue in cheek to, to never use an unkind word toward anybody. Right. Like, like one time he was on a show. I remember he was on a late night talk show and he was teaching the form mm-hmm. and the other guy, the other guest was kind of a schmo and coach didn't necessarily appreciate some of his antics, but his way of presenting it was he had a different approach to life than mine. That's the most unkind thing he would say. <laughs> Crazy. So those two things, you know, be careful what you say, what you think and how you go about it. So the key to me was coach would say, Aaron, you've now said three times that we have to go to this clinic. We have to be here. He said, Aaron, we get to be there. Yeah, we get to do this. So shifting, shifting in your mind from having to to getting to is the deal. I, that's one of my favorite things in the world is, is to remind people and you know, the have to versus get to mentality is, is everything, you know, if we have to do it, if we have to do it, you're not going to do it with joy. You're not going to do it with love. And I think I've said this on the show before, but my, my favorite story of that is my daughter when she was, you know, we'd always, I don't know if it's the same in your house, but if we ever say to our kids, you got to do the dishes, it's like kryptonite. And all of a sudden that, you know, world war three breaks out every single time. Right. And it's, it's like the worst thing in the world you could ask a kid to do boy. And so my daughter was no, no different. And so one, one day we, she babysat, she was probably 11 or 12. And my wife and I came home from the date and our daughter met us at the door and she was just beaming. She's, you know, the oldest of, of five. And yeah, we had all five at that point. So she was, she had, I don't know, they were all the bed or whatever. And we're like, okay, what happened? What broke? What's wrong? And, and she's just like smiling. And we kind of come around the the corner of our of our hallway into the kitchen and i see the kitchen and it was like glistening i mean it was like those those commercials with the sparkles coming off the counter and she my daughter was so joyful to be able to share that she did this for us and my my wife looks she just like goes my she goes phil don't say anything stupid i want her to do this again you know and, and and I was like, I know, but I gotta say to her, I got, and I actually used that to to be able to teach her that lesson. I said, I said this is it's actually, you know, how God sees it. Like, like when we do stuff, yeah, it's this. It when we do stuff out of joy, out of love, out of you know, because we want to, because we get to. It's so much. It's everything rather than just doing it out of duty and out of this I have to mentality. And it was just this great. 
lesson. I go, I know that it's hard. I know you don't fully understand this yet, but the reason why you're so joyful right now is because you got to do that because you got to say, I know you guys love us and I get to do this for you. Yes. Yeah. Nothing better. And I actually said it, my, my, I, he's probably listening to this right now, guys in my men's group. And, and he said, he kept saying, I, I, I have to take my kids to, to school today. And I go, no, you get to take your kids to school. So he actually, every time he gets to take his kids to school, he's like, I get to take my kids to school today. So I need to leave at seven 30 or whatever, whatever. So, yeah. It's so good. So good. I'm so glad that you said that. Cause that's, that is one of my favorite things in the world as well. And I didn't, I don't even know if I knew that came from wooden. And of course he got it from somebody else too. Cause he, yeah. he stole like an artist too, but he did it Absolutely. like, he was like the, the whatever Monet. What was of, cool about him, stealing. What was cool about him though, is he would take it and then he would find a way to make it his own. Right. So much, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. But, but again, the difference is it's like if you and I are working and, and I'm painting something, you can't come in and paint over what I'm painting. Right. right. You have to take that. So, okay, now I have to figure it out for my own. That's and if, right. if, if we can make it our own and add to it, that's when the best, that's what, it, Oh, yeah. And that's what you're doing. And I love it. And it's, 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 that's the thing is it is a, great leaders will be in their their people that they lead and you will they will continue to be living it on and and making it their own and make it better in some ways and but it's it's just different right it's it's i say better it's just different and and will impact people with the different things that we bring to the table which is which is fantastic so all right that that goes to the i mean i think it's a good segue to the next the next thing i want to talk to you about for for a few minutes the the synergy of teamwork and collaboration and in sports and life the things that we can't do by ourselves and and the things that we when we do them by ourselves they they're way better when when we when we do it together the old the old adage uh, african proverb is what it's always attested to the if you want to go fast go alone if you want to go far go together and, you know, so I want to talk about a couple things in the midst of that. One is how dealing with conflict well is necessary to any healthy team and actually strengthens the collaboration and how teams can really develop that, the, the, the be able to deal with conflict well. Right. Well, so I guess the question, I guess, going back to the start, right, of mm-hmm. that is kind of um, the importance of team, maybe like understanding that. Yeah, just really the, the synergy, the idea of, you know, we, right. we can't, there's some things we cannot do by ourselves. Right. And, oh. and other things that are better in the context of team. Yeah, there's so, I mean, there's so much, I mean, I, I think about when, when I went out on my own, started working, I still wanted to be a part of something. And so there is, there is no, no I and team, so to speak. But you have to be able to truly flourish in life. It takes a village to really make things work. Because I don't know many people that are truly happy that do everything on their own, right? The true joy comes from, like your daughter, sharing what she's able to do, exceeding expectations, changing things, creating things, right? So for me, I think that the art of team comes from understanding that this is going to be a shared vision and a shared goal and a shared journey. And this, I, I said this to somebody the other day, which, you know, we're talking about where we're at right now. I feel like as a country at times, we're all sitting in the same rowboat right now dealing with this stuff. We're all rowing in different directions, complaining, how come we're not getting anywhere? Well, you know what? At some point, somebody has to go, okay, let's work together towards a common goal. 
I do believe that when you're willing to put the good of the team for the goal above my own individual component, that's when you thrive. I think all too often there has to be individual accountability, but I think at times we have to look and say, okay, what is the best interest of this team for our goals? If we all agree, that is our goal. But again, then you got to go like Ronnie Lott taught me about particles. What are all the particles, right? They all have to come together to make the whole. So I don't know if that makes sense, but for me, I think we have to look at the higher vision, Stephen Covey, start with the end in mind, right? And then go through that process, understanding if that's truly what we want and that's where we want to go, then everybody's got to be responsible for their own individual part, right? They've got to have empathy. They have to have all the components that make up a team and they have to do their own work to make it work going forward. But it will not work if my goal is more important than the team goal, the team will fail. If I'm going to score 30 today, is more important than the team winning the game, we'll lose. Right. Yeah, and sometimes that understanding that that scoring thirty isn't what will make the team better. That's right. Which is which is hard. And and sometimes, you know, I have players on the flip side of that who are playing striker in in a soccer game and they're just not shooting because they they're trying to be quote unquote unselfish and I say well the, the problem what you're missing there is it's actually being selfish to not take the shot absolutely because that's what's best for the team at that point right we need you to take that shot and so that's something that that is that is there and and I I I do believe what you're talking about there does lead to the conflict when we have individual over team but also there are just sometimes when there are players who just don't get along they just are they're oil and water and they're, whether it's cause they're both great players and there's egos or, I mean, we've seen it at the professional level. We've seen it at college. We've seen it at youth. It happens, right? So how do we do that in a team as a leader, as the coach to be able to build a culture where conflict is not only dealt with well, but actually part of the process to be a great team. One of my friends played seven seasons in the NFL and he talks about friction, right? And Bill Belichick, he played for 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 now he played for five teams, and he said friction is actually the most important piece you need because without friction, nothing gets done. Yeah, what you have to understand is with the right friction, good things happen. With the wrong friction, you get burned. So it's up to the leader to set the goals, to set to set things up, to make things work, and then build the friction, build the fire, right? Yeah. And by doing that, so when you get to competitive pieces i mean think about this when, when i worked for pat riley he had showtime magic johnson kareem abdul jabbar you want to talk about two completely different personalities right kareem abdul jabbar subdued focus yeah. magic we're having fun what is that right how do you bring those together right that's the beauty of leadership and that the key is is to recognize the individual strengths and celebrate them and find a way to say how do we bring it together and I love this analogy, a great jazz band, right? That's sports because here's what's going to happen. Yeah, there's a basic sheet music, but what's going to happen is we're going to start playing and the, the drums are going to do the, and the trumpet and the, and the bass and the guitar and the piano, they're going to do their thing, right? And all of a sudden it's going to be, Phil, hit it. And you got to improvise, Yeah. right? But then what do you got to do after? You got to come back in and get back right in the rhythm with what's going on. So to me, you have to be willing 
to celebrate the individual strengths or challenges and with the goals of helping to build each other up. But then it goes back to Coach Wooden's to create change without causing resentment. That's the key. To do that, you have to be willing to make corrections, not embarrassing them, rather to build them up. Too often, like I tell everybody with kids, we need, we're so much more in need of role models and critics for our kids, right? Yeah. And one of the things you talked about is you talk about that jazz, the jazz band, right? And with conflict, it's, it's the same thing. And with teams is jazz bands need to trust each other. Teams oh. need to trust each other, right? Without trust, everything falls. Yes. And Patrick Lencioni talks about the idea of vulnerability trust in, in, the, in the healthy characteristics of a, of a healthy team. And what he also says in the book, The Advantage, he talks about the idea of, I don't know if it's in the book or in an interview with the book, but he said, when there is trust, conflict becomes the search for truth. When there is no trust, conflict becomes politics where someone has to win and someone has to lose. That's one of those powerful quotes yeah. for conflict in marriage, for conflict in the Look families. Where it's the nation. Co- Look yes. where it's the nation, right? That's exactly. Really, right? That's what it is because there's yep. no trust. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We don't, yep. yeah. But again, that, that comes from a common goal and understanding, not just trust, but also an understanding. I know your strengths. So you know what, man, if you're, if you're a great striker, I got to find a way to get as a coach, I got to get you in the best position to get the easiest shot possible. And as a teammate, I got to know that my job is to be present. Like football is a perfect example. If I don't run my pattern, if I don't run my routes, that defender doesn't have to guard me he can be closer on the other side to help make that tackle. Even though I know the ball's not coming to me. Yeah. You're not right. That's where I have to trust the bigger picture. I have to trust the process. I have to trust the journey. I have to trust my teammates and know that today, you know, uh, perfect. But you know what, if you want, I'll give you a quick 30 seconds. My son played football when he was a little peewee and the first three games of the season, he was a, he was a tight end receiver and he caught like six passes and two touchdowns fourth game of the season it was raining and they didn't throw the ball my son we won the game seven to six or something and my son was upset after the game he was nine years old eight years old he comes to me he says dad you know he was unhappy so okay well you want to talk to coach because i would never go talk to coach by the way without him it's it's journey. yeah but I said, hey coach you know, Mason wants to talk. So fine. Coach actually was six, eight next player. So he got on his knee down with Mason. I'd, I'd, what's the matter, buddy? And, and Mason said, you don't trust me. You didn't, you didn't throw me the ball coach. And he goes, Oh no, no, Mason. We we're worried about the quarterback's hands. The ball was going to slip out. So we couldn't throw the ball. My son says, thanks coach. You know, but my dad throws the ball at me in the pool. I would have caught it even if it was wet. Right? I love the conference. <laughs> but here's the cool part. After the fact, coach talked to me. And we had a conversation. He says, you know what? He knew who I am, what I do. And he says, man, how could I, what could I have done better on that one? Mm. He said, you know what you could have done? You could have let Mason know before the game that today I still need you to run the ruts. I still need you to block, but we're not going to throw because the ball's wet. And it, Mason's experience would have been so different. Why? Because of communication in advance. Yeah. So he understood that's the key, right? If you yep. knew that, that would have been a big difference. That's true. And communication, going back to trust, Open, healthy, vulnerable communication builds trust, right? And so, and ahead of time, it's much more powerful because after 
there if there's especially if there's already not great trust if you say it after they think oh he's just making that up to make me feel better right. but if you say they look this is part of our game plan this is part of what we're doing today this is why you're not starting why you're not playing why you're not going to do this why you're not going to do that oh, okay that makes sense all right thanks coach but afterwards but this, you build this, up the this, truth this, you build yeah, up the story in, in your head this soccer yeah. team we're playing today they have two that are just extremely fast players so we're going to have to make shorter passes to not make it sprint, to make it more controlled today. Yeah. This is why we're going away from this to do this. Yeah. Man, if you knew that as a player, now I understand the why, what's going on. Now I feel more empowered. I'm on the inside. I'm going to be able to understand and perform it better than, like you said, it's just it's like playing offense versus defense right there, right? Yeah. Give them the information and trust the players are still going to do what you need them to do, even though you're not going to pass the ball over. Yep, absolutely. All right, ma'am. Got a few more questions. Wrapping it up. Man, this always goes so fast. But what is one thing that you hope that everyone touched by you and your programs will understand and live out after they work with you? I hope that they will each one reach one for kids because I think that our kids are in a real crisis mode. Mm -hmm. 80% of what our kids hear nowadays is direction or correction. They're not given the freedom to fail. They're not given the freedom to figure it out on their own. And I feel like, unfortunately, we're creating a society, a nation, a world of followers rather than leaders. So what I want people for me is to learn and through our program, through our system, through working with us, is that failure is part of life. It's part of the journey. And I want them to encourage those they model, they train for themselves, for kids to push themselves to try and go through this journey that way and give them, un like my, someone asked me the other day, where, where does it come from? My mom gave me unconditional love to figure it out. Yeah. Unconditional space to figure it out. She held us accountable. You still had to be home this and that, but I, yeah. I didn't have a, I didn't have a, a bedtime after eight years old. Why? Cause she said, look, you're going to get your backside up. You're going to eat breakfast. You're going to get ready to go to school at this time in the morning. And the day you don't is the day I have to give you a bedtime. Man, mm. why do you think we figured it out ourselves, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right, man. Okay. Last two questions we always ask everybody. What lessons learned directly from really any sport, but I'll say the game, basketball, other sports, have you used in your parenting? The big one really that I've learned through the sport is, is making sure that I'm very aware of that that be careful what I say, it can and will be used against me. And it's not just what I say, but it's how I say it. Because the body language is such an important piece. And I learned this through sport, not from my experience, but I remember watching it where we were at a game and a kid struck out and the dad loved this kid. I know it and the whole deal, but he went like this. Mm. And that, that look, the, we saw the kid look up at his dad. And that was the moment the kid decided to quit playing baseball. Oh, wow. And the kid was good. Why? And the dad, we talked to dad about it. And dad said, no, no, I was just, I was upset for him, disappointed for him, not in him. Kids don't know that. Yeah. So I had to learn. My son and I took a Jeep trip from down to visit uh, 17 beaches in four days, driving down Southern California. I had to buy sunglasses because my son was sitting in the car and he's 18 years old and he's telling me life stuff that's going on in his life. And I didn't want to have the face. So I put sunglasses on. <laughs> so, I'm like, Oh my God. But he was yeah. able to, you know what I mean? So game face, game face. Yeah. 
That's so good. That's so good. I just I just thought about that as you talked about the striking out. My son had tryouts the other day or evaluations, excuse me, for his little league team. And uh and he hasn't played he hasn't touched a baseball or a bat for probably a year, year and a half, maybe two. But but he went out and and you know, five pitches and he whiffed them all and he was like he was so distraught and and he of course came and looked at me and I said, "Don't worry about it. Just get your glove on and go do the fielding. It's no big deal. Like who cares, right?" And and I I know I have perspective to know they saw his swing. They can see he's and he's a lefty for crying out loud. They're gonna they're gonna pick him. But but and then he went out and I was I was a little nervous that he was gonna just you know cash it in and you know not be able to. But he caught the fly balls, got the grounders, and you know did his thing. But he looked to me. And our players look to us, like you said, the game face, that reaction. And in parenting, they see it. They look to us, and they're watching us. And I'll say that for leaders. You know this. I know this. Your players, your people are watching you. Whether you know it or not, whether you think it or not, whether you like it or not, they're watching how you react. They're watching what they're listening to what you say. Even the high schoolers that I coach, they they want to pretend like they're not, but they are. Yeah. And and they will remember you well past your time with them. So if you're an a hole, then that will be remembered and that will be sometimes emulated, unfortunately. And they'll see that as what you're supposed to be in sports. So be really cognizant of that I'm not gonna say be careful because i want it to be that you are being trained up by stuff you're hearing on this show the right. stuff that the different programs that we have to be able to have it be your why in your dna as your automatic thinking and your automatic muscle memory is to be the person who's going to build them up who's going to help them to flourish and create the environment on your teams to help everyone to flourish in their different ways right. that requires a lot of work to know who they are, know who the individuals are, all those things that we've been talking about today. Do you agree with all that? I assume you do. hundred percent. And and realize, you know, they're different now. Like, like when you were a kid and a coach yeah. would run through the wall, what did you do? You ran through the wall. Mm-hmm. And nowadays you say mm-hmm. run through the wall and they go, oh, hold on a second. That's going to hurt. By the way, my dad's a lawyer, you know, right? <laughs> it's a different deal. So coaching nowadays, you have to be a lot more cerebral and understand yeah. it, but it does translate to translate parents one thing i will say as a parent realize trust the coach if you're going to allow them to coach Mm -hmm. your child Mm -hmm. trust them if you're not going to trust them then pull them and do something different because you're going to ruin it for them you're going to ruin the experience for them trust the coach if you're going to let them coach trust it yeah and if you don't trust them you you got to go to a different team different team or to walk away yeah exactly yeah all right so what have you read and by the way, we we could talk about any of these things for hours, as we know. And so I, I'm cutting it off because I know if I go into it, we'll talk for another 20 minutes. And yep, I'm, absolutely. Right, we got to wrap it up. Got to wrap it up. All right. So what have you read, listened to, or watched that has most impacted your thinking on how basketball and other sports explain life and leadership? Well, there, there's no doubt it's a pyramid of success for Coach Wooden. Mm-hmm. If you're not, a, if you're not a, a Coach Wooden guy, you need to become one. Mom, mm-hmm. dad, whatever. There's so much information. There are quotes that you hear every day in business. Be quick, but don't hurry. Whatever these things are that are used every day that comes through Coach Wooden. And for me, 
there's no doubt. I still, I mean, I read his quotes every day. I have his stuff. I've got books. I've got videos. I got DVD. I look back at all these things because what I found is that even if I've seen it over and over and over again, it comes back. My other guy is Stephen Covey, Seven Habits of, of Highly Effective. Man, there's nothing better. You know, all those things, sharpen the saw and start with the end of mind. Those, those are my two guys. John Maxwell's good, all these other components, but these two specifically, yeah. but man, Coach Wooden, if you're not a Coach Wooden person and you don't know much about him, get in, take a look at the pyramid of success, understand how it works together because it, it could be life-changing. Yeah. could be life-changing. There are a few people that transcend all sports and, and he's one of them for sure. And, and because of who he was, yes, like a lot of people say a lot of things, but he lived it. He was humble. I mean, which just shined. You can say the right things to, to say and sound humble, but as you talked about body language, just the way that you relate with people listening I mean, I stood in a line. The reason it took forever in the line is because he stood there and talked with each person and listened to who they were and got to know them in the minute, two, three minutes, whatever it was. But most people in autograph lines are like, done, right? And and like that was, it's it's just a real. And so then when you read it, it means something a whole lot more because- Coach Wooden was generally appreciative of everything. He's very religious. He's the closest thing to an American saint that I could not only met, work with, but ever could think of. Just, just in terms of because it, there was never an unkind. He was always looking for the greater good of those around him. Don't get me wrong. He was the most competitive, mm-hmm. most competitive, right? But he's the guy that would teach you how to put your shoes and socks on. He's the guy that would break down to the littlest detail possible, do it over and over again until you get it right. Because practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice does all these factors across the board. Yeah. But done in such a way that was all based on mutual respect. Right. Look up the story about, about Bill Walton. If you don't, guys don't know the story, look it up. Right. I mean, it's there. And this is, it's not, this is real. Mm -hmm. Definitely do that. Cause that's the thing about that is he didn't, he didn't play favorites either. Right. So, and uh, you know, it's one of the things is like the little things that make all the difference It's the, the rule I have on my team is yet you, you have to wear shin guards in practice for whatever reason, these kids aren't wearing shin guards anymore in practices. I coaches, I don't know why you allow it. Like don't because <laughs> not only they, they get hurt, but what I say, my kids, they know now I say, why do you have to wear shin guards in practice? And the, the players who played last year say, cause we work harder when we have shin guards on it's absolutely right you're gonna work harder when you have them on because and you need to you're you're gonna play like you practice and if you're if you're uncomfortable in practice they're gonna be uncomfortable in the game and so on so so yeah i i very much appreciate you very much appreciate this conversation all the conversations we've had i know i was able to be on your podcast as well absolutely love that and and I just really have been very encouraged just in the, in the short friendship that we've had. And I look forward to future conversations that we get to have. So thanks for being on. Appreciate it, man. And, you know, our, the one we did before, it's interesting because I was thinking about coming on here at TalkTeachPlay.com. It's really cool because that interview is up there and some of the stuff we've talked about. But I really like the way you've interviewed, not just me, but the ones I've watched, because you just have a real natural way of making people feel comfortable and bringing stuff out and percolating the conversation. So kudos for you. Keep up the good work. And I appreciate not just what you're doing here, but the friendship, because I do believe it's real. And that's what it's about. Be authentic, man. And, And it's what comes across. Appreciate it. 
Amen. Thanks. I appreciate you. I appreciate all those words. It's super encouraging, super encouraging. All right, folks. Well, thank you for listening in. Thank you for your download. I just, I just want to encourage you to take a look at the different things. We'll have it on the show notes that, that Aaron's doing. We'll have the websites there so you can get and connect with him and be able to check out National Academy of Athletics. The, the talk teach, what is it? What is the, the website again? Sorry. Talkteachplay.com talkteachplay.com i wanted to get it right talkteachplay.com it's a little tongue twister and and also just really take what you're learning from this show and and you use it as we talk about to be a better leader to be a better spouse to be a better parent to be a better friend to be a better leader and you know and so we have some tools as you know folks so if you've listened to this at all have the coaching the bigger game program uh, that we're launching in february coaching the bigger game.com for soccer coaches the warrior way program that paul and marcy jobson have out there in waco texas check that out also if you just want to connect with me phil at how soccer explains leadership.com you can join the facebook group to continue the conversation after this show but most importantly I really hope and pray that everything that you're learning on this show is reminding you that soccer and basketball and other sports really do explain life and leadership. Thanks a lot. Have a great day.